it shows them that it doesn't make you less to admit you don't know and to get help. And that is at the core of social emotional issues, mental health issues. It's okay that something's wrong and that you don't have the answer and it's okay to ask for help. Welcome to Education Rx. The education system in the US is sick and we all need to find ways to heal it. I'm Holly Bronson. I'm Shannon Donaway. Together, we have almost 50 years of experience working as professionals in a school setting. We may not have all the answers, but we're looking for people who have a piece of the solution puzzle. This is Education Rx. All right, well, we are actually back for a bonus round for this season. Episode eight was our final interview with a guest expert. And today, Shannon and I are going to be talking with our producer, Kieran Bronson-Doherty. So we're going to have a little conversation and just review this season because there were so many good key elements that we were able to highlight. And we just want to review that before we even think about next season because so many hot topics in the news right now about mental health issues and situations that revolve around that. And it's just so important that we keep this at the forefront of listeners' minds, that it's not just our students, but our educators, our families, that it is happening in the community around us. And we need to consider those things heavily in education as well. I feel like there's always a lot going around the holidays time too. Right. Especially in schools. Right, Shannon? Absolutely. Kids are excited to have a break, but they're also a lot of my kids were nervous to be at home for that long. Right. I mean, a lot of my students feel like school is like a safe spot somewhere. They're always sure what's going to happen. They know what to expect. I don't know. I had a lot of that this week before school let out. It was interesting. Maybe more this year than other years. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think this year's the first year we're sort of back in a quote normal kind of school year with everybody in schools and you're not going in and out because you have the sniffles or whatever. I mean, like it's just more back to normal. And I think that might be part of why kids are really a little nervous about being at home because they're able to settle into that routine and start feeling that vibe of consistency and I, you know, I'm, I'm having my meals and I know what to expect. And this is a safe place for me all day. And so I wonder, if, I wonder if they're nervous that they might not come back. Cause they, I'm sure they keep hearing like COVID's ramping up and everybody's got the flu and all of this stuff. Like, I wonder if they're like having a little bit of like, well, this happened two years ago. PTSD. Back? Yeah. That's a really good point. I don't know. Maybe. That could be a thing actually. I mean, once you kind of settle into a groove, it's got to be scary thinking, what if we, you know, have to go back to quarantine? Are we really safe? So we're going to bring Kieran in on this conversation. And part of the reason why we really wanted Kieran to come on this episode and talk with us is, first of all, he's done a phenomenal job editing and putting together each episode and supporting us in that way. But he's also, am I allowed to call you a millennial, Kieran? Are you millennial? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm a neighborhood millennial. (laughs) He represents a different population of people. And I think his voice, you know, should be heard because he's provided a lot of really good insights and 
and elements to our background of things before we get on and record. So we just wanted to let him join our conversation. So welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me. It's fun to be on the microphone now. (laughs) (laughs) So we started out this whole season revolving around that initial interview with Dr. Karen Beard from OSU. We interviewed her and one of the things that really drew us to her was her article that she and her colleagues wrote about how, and they collected this research from other research articles and kind of pieced it all together so we could see what was currently happening in research around COVID. And so from multiple angles, there was an identification of teachers as first responders because they were the touchpoint person for students and for families. So many families didn't have someone else to go to to ask, like, we're out of food. What do we do about food? Is there any way we can get access to the internet? And so teachers ended up being the person trying to connect And they didn't have any education in how to do those things. And a lot of social, emotional, a lot of mental health sorts of concepts were coming to the surface. And those teachers were trying to manage that and get support for families. And what did that do for the teachers? Well, it exhausted them. And we were living, all of us in education, were living in a world where we were watching teachers just sort of fall off the grid. They couldn't keep up. They were so exhausted. And so that was sort of where we started because all of us went through COVID together. Definitely a traumatic situation worldwide. And we're just now starting to look back and reflect and see how it impacted specific pockets of people and education is one. And that's where we decided to follow this train of thought for the season. And I think it's a good good place to start. Great place to start. So we wanted Kieran's voice in all of this because he is in that age group of a lot of young parents who have kids who are in preschool, kindergarten, maybe even first, second grade. He represents that population. Shannon and I are in a little older population. I mean, not by much, but you know. <laughs> but So we just want to make sure that we're really equitable and looking at lots of different angles on this because everybody sees it differently. And that's important to see those different perspectives. Yeah, for sure. Just a bit of background on myself. I work in tech, so I do fun tech stuff. I have been a creative pro at Apple, so I've done a bit of teaching And I've done a lot of retail work and just customer service stuff, along with all the creative things I do, video, audio, voice acting, whatever, all that. But I I really resonated with that kind of frontline responder idea because a lot of the jobs that I was doing during the pandemic, uh, especially at Apple, was frontline. And so kind of seeing this responsibility being put upon these frontline workers who have to pivot and say, well, I, I need guidance. And I think the, the the thread that was going through a lot of these interviews was like, there was nothing. It was from scratch. We had to figure it out. And in the after education area in the workforce, same kind of deal. I actually switched jobs and I had to go through a similar kind of thing resonating with like, well, how do we, how do we learn in a situation like this? Right. And learning affects all of us. I think one thing that we've had on a behind the scenes conversation with consistency, as well as trying to bring it up in interviews, is that as Americans, whether you are in education, have kids who are in education, you are not tied to education in any way at this point in your life, we all need to realize that whatever we're teaching and the skills we're giving today are the people who will be running the world tomorrow. And that 
impacts every single person on the planet. And so we all need to consider what's happening in education post-COVID and even before COVID. COVID just sort of shined a light on things that were already difficult. And, you know, we... Shannon and I have had that conversation for a long time. We were already at a tipping point and then COVID hit. And now we're all just hanging by our fingernails on the edge of that cliff. So where are we going to (laughs) go? What are we going to do? We all need to think of that. And Shannon is sick today. So she's going to... I was going to say, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? We're going to create a podcast and talk about... we're all dealing with it that's what you and I are gonna do right like that's what we decided it's it's so overwhelming so much happening that it's hard to know where to start but I think that's kind of the point though is like starting you need to start at all in any capacity is it a podcast is it writing a journal is it getting out of bed like those those things those small steps of getting started I think people forget about and I think that is right there a concept that we've seen a lot of our guests bring forward is it is the little things. It is important to find a place to start. And I know when we were talking with our friends who are in the behavior area of education, there was a concept brought forward about should we lower some expectations and really meet kids where they're at today? And I think that's a piece of what you're talking about, Kieran, but also just the concept that different guests have brought forward, like when Kathy House was talking about the social emotional curriculum, the leader in me, and it starts with each person having a goal. And it can be a goal of I'm going to be at school four days a week. You know, I'm going to participate in handwriting once a day. Like the child gets to choose the goal with the support of the teacher and the educators. But that one little step, having a goal, that first step can be what pivots and moves you forward, gives you momentum. That's yeah. a really good point, I think. Kathy House actually had a really good point in episode three. Uh, she was talking about how they were giving kids responsibilities. They were, yeah. you know, doing the morning announcements. They were there was all these kinds of things they were doing, and like that is so relevant in so many other parts of life. When you get out of high school and you go get a job. Like, how do you move up in the company? You take on more responsibility. But if you don't know how to do that, or if you don't understand the concept, you weren't taught it at home because maybe your parent was working three jobs to survive in the pandemic. Right. Right. And you had to go to school only four days a week because you're at home taking care of the, the family because your parents at work, you know, yep. like, yeah, those things are super important. And even just small training can make huge differences. Just think about like anybody listening to this who works in a, at a company, think about how much training you get versus how much you actually utilize. And it, I bet you it's this much training and this is what you're asked to do with it, right? It's, I'm doing hand gestures of small versus very large. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> so a small amount of training is usually required, is given for a vast amount of responsibility. And right. if we can teach them that early on, I mean- you're already setting, you know, the success platform moving forward. Well, in teaching those skills, and this is something that honestly, Shannon and I are really focused on as special educators and special service providers as OT and speech. We really focus on teaching kids about advocacy for themselves, right? So like you're talking about, you're going to get a small amount of training for a vast responsibility, but part of that in an education system is teaching kids how to ask questions. Yeah. How to find the information on your own. Take that initiative. 
Absolutely. I spend so much time working with high school students on what are you going to do in this situation? Ask a question. Who are you going to ask? They have no idea most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. And what are you going to ask? Like Shannon has like these different programs that will go into a life skills class with students who are working on. And these can be students that are in general population as well. They just are in a class where we're talking with them about you know, money issues and job skills and stuff. And so we'll even talk about how do you ask questions to find something in the store? How do you ask questions at a job interview? What's appropriate, right, Shannon? This is really key because we're talking about social emotional we in an interview. So, yeah, we spend so much time doing that. I mean, everybody, all of the kids need help doing that. And I would say yeah. that not just my students who have IEPs are in, in special ed. Right. I think general ed students, like, I don't think that there's classes very often, not in most schools where they teach you about personal finance or they teach you about interview skills. You know, it's, if the teacher's taken that on, maybe in a language arts class, my son's senior year, his language arts class, they did do job interviews and teaching them how to write a resume, but that was the only teacher in the building who did that. Mm -hmm. So he just happened to luck out and be in that class. So if the teacher's not taking that on, like there's not a class for it. Home ec has almost gone away. Yeah, yeah. That, that's scary for me just because I have friends that I have had to teach things that I thought were basic <laughs> concepts. And sure, there's there's a lot of, you're going to run across that all over the world uh, at any given time, but it's it was just so surprising, you know? And I, I see that more and more often. If you look on social media, what are what are some of the, the more popular channels? It's basic stuff. How to cook, how to, how to clean my house, how to, you know, have a conversation with somebody. People consume this media kind of casually, like, oh yeah, well, I could learn to talk a little bit better and just kind of constantly self-improving, right? But at the same time, that's the sign. That's your litmus test. Let's take a look at that. And if people are engaging with that content, right? how do we bring it into the classroom? I mean, I keep thinking of Bill Nye. Who replaced Bill Nye? I know. He's awesome. We need he's another Bill around. Nye. I, no, I'll leave another Bill stuff. Nye. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Anyway, well, and but, I, think, I think when we were talking with Dr. Nankin from Breathe for Change, taking this concept of learning those basic skills, how to clean, how to do money, how to... So Dr. Nankin brought it down to the absolute most basic skill, how to go from being outside at recess and amped up to sitting in a classroom ready to learn. Like if you're yeah. anxious or if you're stressed out, kids were bullying you, or you were playing a game that you didn't get to finish, or, you know, somebody made fun of you in the hallway, whatever it is, and you walk into a classroom and now they're giving you new information. How can your brain take that in when you are anxious and stressed and wound up. And when Dr. Nankin just took us through taking three deep breaths to ground yourself, I mean, that took seconds and yet made a huge difference. Even for me, when we're just having a nice conversation, I could feel the shift. Yeah. Kids don't know how to do that. We've got to teach them that. Kids can teach us how to do that. I think oh. that was probably one of the things that I, I love focusing on is learning. I like learning and finding new things. In episode four, Denise Montoya was talking a lot about you're just as much of a learner as the kids and mm. understand that when you're in it, when you're in a classroom, you're in a learning environment. You're not in a management environment or anything else, right? You need to be just as willing to learn as the kids are, because if you're not, you are no longer a teacher. You are now a manager. And there's a difference yeah. in what those roles are. And kids do not respond well 
to managers, <laughs> at least that I've found. But what do I know, right? Well, I think I think all of us, it depends on the kind of manager and the way that they motivate you, right? And yeah. I have a friend who is an ed tech director up in Jeffco District in Denver, Colorado, and her name is Becky Shorey. Just a shout out, she's the most amazing ed tech person I've ever met. But what I makes her amazing is that she was a teacher for a very long time and she and I geek out on tech and she started bringing tech things into her classroom very early on when a lot of people were still just exploring it. And one of the key things she said, whenever I've gone to her classes, I met her through doing trainings underneath her and just instantly fell in love with her style and the information she's sharing. And one of the key things she would say is, I know that in your classroom, you're afraid that if I roll this out, you know, there'll be hiccups. And she said, you are going to get a chance to learn things from your students. Don't shy away from that. Do not shy away from letting them see that you're learning from them. So if something goes wrong and the student raises their hand and says, oh, you know, Mrs. Jones, you could do X, Y, and Z, and that won't happen anymore on this program. Don't be embarrassed. That's such a great time. And Becky would say, just tell the kid, you know, come show me that. Teach me that. And I think social emotional, we don't even realize that in itself is so positive to students. It teaches them that they don't have to know everything, that mm -hmm. they can be open to learning new things because just being open and flexible can be hard for kids. And it shows them that it doesn't make you less to admit you don't know and to get help. And that is at the core of social emotional issues, mental health issues. It's okay that something's wrong and that you don't have the answer and it's okay to ask for help. 100%. Even, and that's the thing too, I think people always forget about is you are going to be asking for your help your entire life. Yes. You know, like there's, there's no point where you know everything. So you need to get used to understanding how to ask those questions because sometimes they're time sensitive and you need to get right. that information quickly to make things happen. And as you get older, that becomes more and more of a focus. And so building those skills young, like, man, it's so, and it's simple to do. It's not necessarily hard. It just takes the time and the focus like any other thing. If you're doing a sport, if you're building a business, if you're tying your shoes, you got to have the time to focus on just those simple fundamentals. That's a good point. And I also think Holly, you made a great point about how like teachers modeling that is such an important thing. And if we can get parents to model that kind of behavior as well. Well, in talking about modeling behaviors and parents and teachers, I think teachers and parents could model the social interactions between themselves for their students too. And it's something as simple as parents showing students that they do communicate with their teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, I sent your teacher an email because I know you were having a lot of trouble with that assignment last night. I want to be able to help you more. So I reached out and asked her, if she would send me a couple of things we could do this weekend so I could help you. Like just little stuff. It doesn't have to be big things. I know we're all pressed for time, but showing that modeling that I'm building that relationship to make myself better, to make you better, you know, yeah, that partnership modeling is amazing. Yeah, which was definitely a theme in a lot of our interviews that building those relationships was really important, especially, you know, Libby Coles from that interview. I can't remember which episode. I think it was episode three. Yeah. yeah episode she three. and Kathy House were on episode three. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the big model that they strive for at Animus High School, building relationships. 
Well, and I think every interview and Shannon would agree with me, but she's coughing right now. <laughs> Welcome to December. Anybody who's listening to this next July, this is December and everybody's been fighting colds. I think every episode it came up at some point relationship, whether it was teacher with administrators, teacher with teachers, teachers with students, teachers with families, parents with kids, kids with, you know, I mean, every single relationship was at the core of everything being successful. If you build the right relationship, you communicate better. If you build the right relationship, a back and forth can happen. Growth can happen. Problems can get resolved. Like everything came down to that. Yeah. And I think the question that at least that I saw repeated all the time was, you know, what do we do about this? What are the next steps? Yes. And I think those have been outlined very clearly. I don't think there's any reason to wait. Start talking to your kids, start having conversations, start talking about building relationships in whatever way you can. If you're a teacher, think about that. If you're a parent, think about that. If you're an aunt or an uncle, if you don't have kids, think about what you're going to do to support the kid, the education system in your community. It could be anything. You know, I think a lot about the technology gap, like almost every single episode, someone was like, technology was a hurdle. We either had to learn it or we had a good understanding of it and we didn't get the software we needed. There's all kinds of things, but it like- Or the Wi-Fi connection. The <laughs> Wi-Fi connection. Point. But when yeah. it comes down to it, whoever thought, you know, I'm going to go down to the local community college. I'm going to get four millennials. I'm going to pay them 50 bucks and I'm going to have them set up my router. We need to start thinking about the resources that are available to us and how we can be a community together. I am an editor, right? How many other teachers- or other school board, school systems that need some kind of editing, anything. Could it be a video? Could it be audio? Could it be a slideshow? Mm. Find somebody in your community who is also passionate, who wants to volunteer, and who you might be able to work out some deals with. Do they need community service? Do they need a resume thing? Are you a teacher in a subject that can maybe tutor them for three hours and you get a free video out of it on how to use Zoom? Like there's so many different things you can do to collaborate. And I'm just thinking about that as a creator, right? And if you're a student, maybe talk to your teacher, take the initiative on yourself, go ask for responsibility. Every time I've ever gone to in a job, and I'm just going to use it because I'm I'm working. When I'm in a job and I go to my manager and they say, you know, hey, I, you know, you're doing great here. And I'm like, that's awesome. What can I do to help you? What can I do to help you as a manager from the role of the, of the supporter, the follower? Right. If any of your students came to you in the day and said, hey, I want to help you do your job better. What can I do? Would your mind not explode? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Those, those, are, the, those are the kinds well, of things you think- want to encourage. Yes. In our interview with Angela Griffin, she was talking about how so many schools in Washington, so many districts in Washington, and even Utah has started some programs where they really partner very heavily with community agencies to get supports to kids that the school doesn't have access to or resources for, or when it goes beyond school hours and getting those resources, whether they're contracting with, you know, mental health providers to use text for students to access resources or getting parents connected with resources for support with bills or utilities or food or activities, all of those things, like the the different community agencies partnering and the relationship between those agencies, it's going to come not just from educators reaching out to them, but those agencies reaching out to education. And what would be amazing as an educator Mm -hmm. is if those community agencies reached out and said, 
like you were saying, Karen, what can I do to help the schools? You know, like, hi, I'm a local florist. Is there anything I could do to support the schools? Maybe you could say, hey, would you give us a discounted rate to provide flowers once a month to a teacher in our building who's doing outstanding? You know, I mean, like it could be That'd anything. That'd be awesome. Can yeah. you, how, how recognized would you feel as a teacher? Like we're not talking about a pay raise right now. We're just talking about flowers on your desk. I With would, that I would says still you're want amazing. the pay raise, but I would feel pretty appreciated. Yeah. And that's something that's missing. And that's something that I think globally is missing in the United States right now. And this is part of what motivated Shannon and I in our conversations to start this podcast was education's in a bad place, but it's coming from, we need to make some major changes. That's going to be heavily reliant on teachers. Teachers aren't super motivated to do a lot of extra because they're not appreciated in a lot of places, in a lot of ways. Teachers aren't getting paid a livable salary. And so it's really hard to put higher demands on them. So as a culture, we need to look at that. What is it going to take to change education? Well, I think it absolutely starts with how do we look at educators? Do we value them because they're creating the leaders of the future? I don't know. In this country, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I, I don't think I've felt it in the entire time I've been alive. Like I've always <laughs> felt that teachers have been kind of the, the scapegoat of whatever has been going on in terms of learning. It could be learning at any level. An elementary yeah. school teacher is going to get the same flack that a college professor is because they're in the same vertical or the same pipeline. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's frustrating to see. Like, I totally agree. Finding ways to make the teacher component attractive is the only way to start down that path. There's a lot of ways you can branch out, sure. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a teacher, none of it works. None of the system matters. Right. Got to start with that base piece. And I think Courtney Ham in episode two, the teacher we were talking with, from an elementary school in Colorado, she had a really good point. And I don't even remember if we edited it out for time's sake, because we had so much good information. It was so hard to cut it down to keep it listenable time-wise. But she was talking about how in some of the European countries, and I think like uh, Netherlands and Norway and Sweden, where they really elevate educators, they have offices, they've got all kinds of resources as far as the, the education system gives them what they need for teaching. They have more respect from the community. Those countries have better participation in education by students. Students have better test scores. I was just talking with somebody the other day who's from Vietnam, and they were saying, you know, in so many countries in Asia, you have to pay for school. Your kids don't just get school. And so there's so much more support from the parents because they're paying for it. And they have expectation of their kids to really participate. So the parents are really backing those teachers and valuing education because it costs them something. And in a country where we get it for free and what an incredible privilege, what an incredible, wonderful gift, we look at it and we don't understand its value because we're not sacrificing anything to get it. I think that's a problem. Now, I'm not saying we need to pay for school, but I think it's mentally a problem for our mindset. Yeah. Shannon, I, I know you've been coughing in the background there. Did you have anything to add? <laughs> but I agree. Well, I, I mean, 100%, yeah, I, right? One of like, the thing, I was going to say one of the interesting parts for I'm into cybersecurity. And so when I think about problems, I think of them a bit like a <laughs> hacker. I'm looking to break it. I need to know where it breaks. Where it breaks, I can figure out how to fix it. And right now we found out where things broke. And now we get the fun, the fun project of 
People say, think outside the box all the time, but you never realize when you get outside of the box, there's nothing out there. You have to turn around and look at the box. Right. <laughs> it's about getting a, a higher perspective of what you're actually confining yourself to. It's not about the box. It's about how to change the shape of the box. And that's what it is. Education has been in this box for so long. And now we broke all the pieces on it. And it's like, cool. Well, is it a triangle now? Is it a rhombus? Does, do people know what a rhombus is? <laughs> well, Those it's, kinds it's of changing the properties really nice of the products. box, right? Because a box and a container is, ne is not necessarily and it's inherently bad, mm -hmm. but what does it contain? What does it, what purpose does it serve? We've got to change the properties of that box. And in mm -hmm. education, what the heck does that look like? And I think, honestly, as we're talking and looking at next season, I really think maybe this is a good time. Now that we've laid a premise of we understand everybody's like, world has been rocked by COVID and just Everything that's been building even beyond COVID, I mean, social injustice and unrest and issues around the globe, right? We get that. So now let's be willing to jump outside that box, look back down on it, and let's talk about some very controversial concepts within education that might be worth weighing and seeing is there a level that that needs to be implemented so that we can make change? Maybe these traditional values and traditional methods are a box that's outdated and we need a new box. Yeah. I keep, I think about, it's a, it's a fantasy book and I encourage everyone to take a look at it. It's called the Bartimaeus trilogy. It's very good. And the voice actor who does it is phenomenal. So if you can get an audiobook, check it out. But one of the things that they talk about is the rise and fall of empires. And one of the threads is that no empire is forever. Right. Right. Remember the Romans rose and fell, Byzantines, look through history. Right. So the question is not necessarily what am I going to do to live forever? It's what am I going to create that will? And oh, that's we need nice. to we need to try and get into that mentality, right? What am I going to do to make sure that education is going to be looking for ways to improve itself? And you have to come with that big picture because if you don't, you're not going to have the effect you want on education. Because it's not one piece. It is the it is the whole thing. It is from beginning yes. to end. And everything you do in that pipeline will have an effect. And I'm yes. not saying, I don't want to say that to necessarily, you know, scare people into thinking I have to processize everything. It's that you need to accept you only have control at that moment. And you need to be thinking into the future about what that's going to affect. Right. Because it's the emotion ripples. that you're working yeah. with. Anyway, well, and the truth is part of what this season, what we were talking about, is absolutely academically, we're in crisis. The NAEP scores coming back are telling us that in math, reading, and science, we are the lowest we've been in almost, well, 30 or 40 years. So that is significant and concerning. And so, yes, as a nation, we need to look at that. But what we found out this season is what is underneath that? What is the foundation? Right now, it's popsicle sticks because we're not looking at the social emotional skills that create success, which include relationship building, turn-taking, the ability to listen to things that you don't necessarily agree with without becoming defensive or violent. It's being able to settle yourself and be prepared for learning and understanding what that feels like. It's being able to manage the stress of a test and feeling like you don't know the answers, but being able to stay clear and focused and on task. 
Those are social emotional skills that if we don't teach kids, they don't have the skills in crisis. What happens to a president who's got, you know, worldwide anxieties building and they've got their finger on a button if they don't have the social emotional skills to calm down and ground themselves and think through all the pieces of the puzzle before they push a button. I mean, we're at their mercy. If we don't teach them these skills, we're at the mercy of that person who has their finger on the button. Did they learn these social emotional skills as well as academic skills? It's important. And you can apply that to so many different situations, you know, from the president of the United States to the store manager at the local Starbucks, right? Like everybody in that whole, like you need to have those skills no matter what happens. One of the things that I thought was really beautiful in our sixth episode, when we were talking with Amber Main and Sherry Cordova, it was really cool when Sherry was talking about some of the experiences her child that has some special needs was experiencing on the bus. And it was interesting how the story went that it was the adult that was being prejudiced and treating the student differently, but it was the student's seeing that and when given the opportunity to share a voice by Sherry, they did. And they said, no, it's fine if it takes, you know, another 30 seconds for John to get off the bus. And the adult in the room is not being okay. And I just, I think that we don't give students enough credit sometimes for what they're capable of when provided the right opportunities, the right encouragement, the right guidance. And I think as adults in education, we need to be showing kids that it's okay to say something when something's unjust. And you can say it without going to a violent place. You can say it without being cruel, but you can still voice your opinion. And I think That is a skill that is going to be needed in this nation so much in this world, because we've got a lot of really serious issues going on. And I think what makes it hopeful in those issues is that we have the ability to partner and coordinate and have team skills to solve those. I mean, what makes an American an American these days? And when we think about a lot of the conversations that get brought up, a lot of those ideas are kind of like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, a lot of independence and things like that. But I think the true superpower is being able to work with everyone and anyone at any time. Yes. That's why, and you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and say America is the best country on the planet. I think we have a lot of privileges and I think that we can utilize them better. But I think one of the really cool things is that Americans tend to have this ability to say, that sucked. What are we going to do next to make it better? Yes. What What are we going to do to move forward? And I think that's what we really need to start embodying. Resiliency. Resiliency. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's oh, talk about resiliency. There's a wonderful book called Tough. Tough. It's a fantastic book about building inclusive ways to understand what being tough means. It's called Tough by Greg Everett. Building True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness. Really awesome book. Great way to kind of, and because he goes into a lot of the emotional toughness of like, you know, being tough isn't just lifting big, heavy things. It's understanding how to deal with conflict, with COVID, with, you know, I didn't get a good grade because of X, Y, Z. What do I do with that? Like that is still being tough. You don't have to go to the extreme. Anyway, but that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing here is just there's so much focus on like the trauma and no one's like, okay, cool. How do we, 
work on the trauma. Yeah. And I think that's, we can do that so well as a country. If we, what's the, what's the thing everyone's saying? Come together. Yes. Well, and it's as true in 2022 as it was in the seventies, right? (laughs) When the Beatles started their song, come together. I think that when Therese Moore was talking about schools being willing to go into communities where the families are, where the people are, and be in their space to have tough conversations about what needs to happen. I think that's a really key component to coming together. And I think it's not just community members and and agencies coming to the schools and saying, what can we do to support? It's the schools going to the community and saying, we're here to work with you. Let, you Let me get in your court and find out what you need. And I think especially with the trauma from COVID. And I mean, that trauma for some people was not having food or not having heat or not having resources for work or childcare. Or, I mean, there were so many ways that people were traumatized. And it's not that I think every kid who plays the sport should get a trophy and I'm not trying to live in that world or whatever. But I do think that where we need to push people to have more tolerance and be have more endurance. We can't do that if we don't first heal what's broken. And I think teaching people how to heal that and balancing how to be compassionate with emotional toughness, quote unquote, of being able to tolerate things that are hard, being able to bounce back, resiliency, all those things come together when we look at every single piece of this season where we've said relationship, relationship, relationship. That is at the core of all of this, all of it. You made, you made a point there about the participation trophies. And I, it always grinds my gears when I hear, you know, people get bent out of shape about that. Because in my head, that's just a teamwork exercise. Right. And I think, you know, there's a good, you had a great point on that. But bringing up the idea of like, you know, we don't need to get into the weeds of like whether participation trophy is good or not. Right. But it kind of comes back to the control part. Like, I'm not going to have control over whether or not the coach believes that's a good idea, but what I can do is I can tell my kid, Hey, you got this trophy and you may not have, you know, I'm going to like, maybe he didn't get whatever the award is, or she didn't get the the fancy thing. Like you got this trophy because you're part of a team. You still contributed. Yes. And that's important. It is. And I could take the time to do that and teach my kid that, or I could take the time and say, you didn't do anything. You didn't actually deserve that trophy. What's that going to do? What's that going to help? I think I made a comment earlier about how we talk about investing in our kids. I don't think that's necessarily the right word, but I think that it's a good representation of how are you viewing what your child is in your life? Is it an investment or is it something different? And so I think changing how we connect with kids and what they're going to you know, do for us and how they're going to help us will change the way we interact with their education and the way that we interact with the people who are connecting with them. Because if I and that dedicated to making sure my kid has that experience. We've kind of seen it with COVID. I, I think through all the episodes, everyone was saying parents are turning their attention to teachers and being like, what are you teaching my kid? Now that we have their attention, do something with it. Like, ah, yeah, come on over. Let's, let's, what do you want to teach your kid? What can we do together to understand what these concepts are? Because I have a master's degree in all this fun stuff. And I bet you have knowledge too that we could share together. And yes, it just builds. Anyway, I'm, you get what I'm saying. Well, and I think, so now that we have completed season one, 
And I feel really proud of the people we were able to connect with and the information we were able to get out. You know, we didn't, we're not being controversial with guests and trying to like challenge their, you know, we're, we're actually asking them to bring forward their area of expertise. And we're trying to honor that because whether I believe hundred percent what every single person is saying doesn't matter. The point is we need to get information out for people to make their own decisions and just get ideas and knowledge. That was our point. And I feel like we did that. As we look at season two, I am really ready to say, let's have some even heavier conversations that are very outside the box and looking back at that box, how do we change this box? And so I just want anybody who's listening to know my expectation for next season is that we're going to start bringing forward some ideas that are radical, that educators are using, that are actually doing some phenomenal things. Are these things that we should look at at a national scale? Are these things that on a larger platform should be happening? And some of those ideas might be controversial. So I just... I want to bring them forward because there's nothing wrong with listening to something crazy. I mean, what about we could we could build a machine and we could fly around the sky like birds. That is insane. But we do it every day because somebody had a radical idea and followed through on it and now we have airplanes. So I would, maybe I would we need add radical to that. Ideas. Being <laughs> able to vet radical ideas yes, is also really absolutely. important, you know, cuz Crazy ideas are great, but some of them are just crazy. Are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to be able to pick those out, right? And be able to say, hey, I love what you're doing with that. But have you thought about maybe doing it this way? What do you think of that? You know? Uh, but yeah, I, and there's always I love what you're saying. In an idea, there's always some really great pieces and then maybe some not so great pieces. So yes. picking and choosing what works best. Some might work better for some communities or schools and some might work, some pieces might work better for another. So we need the listener's help too. So as we're going through these conversations, kind of like Holly said, we're not, we're not trying to necessarily ruffle any feathers, but we, these are adult questions that we have to ask when it comes to education. They're real issues and we want to give them the time and space so we can discuss them. Not only just, I mean, yeah, we're, we're three people on a podcast or guess two hosts and a producer, but (laughs) <laughs> you guys are the audience. You are out there in the real world, un, you know, going through this with us. So interact with us. You know, we have a website, we have this, if you have questions, or even if it's like, Hey, you said this thing and I don't like it. Can we, can we maybe dig into that a bit more and see like, what are the, what threads go, which way we love getting ideas. We want to be flexible too. So give yes. us all that feedback. Cause it helps, you know, it helps us get the information out that you want to hear. And we, we want to learn, we want to grow. We want to, if we're ruffling feathers with the point of getting people to actually just get invested and think I'm okay with that. We're absolutely not trying to be offensive in any way. And I think that just a minute ago, when I was using the term crazy, I apologize for that. I should say radical because I'm, when I say crazy, I'm, I'm not referring to, I, I don't know, offensive way of referring to someone who's struggling with mental health. That is not what I mean. I mean, radical, wild, outside the box, something that you would never have thought of, right? That's sort of what I meant, but I, I definitely want to be sensitive because I, in my 
own world have people who are struggling with mental health and it's as real as diabetes or high blood pressure or cancer, or, I mean, it's real. And I honor that. And I think one of the things that's really cool is we have a person who does our website and our logos and things. And she brought something forward that I thought was really powerful that we all just need to be thinking about how you can access support for mental health and navigating a mental health crisis is a link that you can go to and it's through the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So it's namienami.org. There's also a new 988 number that is a crisis number for people to call if they're struggling in a situation and they don't have someone to support them call that number and you will get support. We are going to be posting that information on our website, which is E, the number two, now at, yeah, no.com, right? Yes. <laughs> I have too many letters e in my head right now. now. So E, the number two, now.com. You can definitely connect with us and send us emails. I would highly encourage all the adults listening to demonstrate adultness when they're letting us know about things that make them unhappy or concerned or that maybe offended them, you know, saying something critical that's hurtful doesn't really move you forward. So if there's something that we did that needs to have a light shined on it, please do that with intellect, (laughs) just being able to say, Hey, this was offensive to me. And this is why it was offensive. And I would like that to be addressed is much better than saying you're a jerk and we hate you. Like that doesn't help us learn and grow. So give us good feedback uh, so that we can do better. Definitely believe that this is a project we want to keep going on because we're getting good feedback from people that it's starting to open some doors and give them some ideas and thoughts. And that's our goal. We want to elevate education. We want to elevate educators. We want to find new ways to make it better because at the end of the day, this is going to affect all of us not just now, but in all the years to come. Exactly. Definitely, definitely keep in touch because uh, we're, we're excited to continue down this journey and we want you to come with us. Well, Shannon, this has been a long experience because we're so new. There's so <laughs> much to learn along the way. I think we are officially novice podcasters. <laughs> That's a step up. I think you crossed the threshold. Yeah. Really? <laughs> okay. Uh, We still have a ton to learn. We're at the lowest novice level, but we're working on it. We're learning a lot about sound. We're learning a lot about how to support guests in knowing kind of how to manage when they're on the interview, because it's a lot, you know, people are new to this. We're new to this. We're learning. (laughs) It's getting better. I hope so. This has been an amazing season. We are definitely excited about the people we've met, the things we've learned, some of the information we've gathered. And we are looking forward to and currently doing research and digging and talking to some very interesting experts about what next season might look like. So stay tuned. We'll put out trailers probably in February and we should be back by March is our goal. Yeah. It's be a good time. I'm excited. Here at Education Rx, we have a saying together, together we, we can, can do, do better. better. So you guys get back here next season. Please check out our website. Please look for NAMI or 988 if you need any kind of emotional support. And we will see you back here in 2023. Bye.